nation collapse warning. Female Supreme Court nominee can't define woman. That is a topic we'll discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. We are able to broadcast on the radio station, website, or app on which you are listening today because of the support of listeners like you and also our national sponsor, Samaritan Ministries, who provide a biblical solution to health care. You can connect with us by calling our toll-free number, one 646 2233 or by visiting thechristianworldview.org. U.S. Senate hearings began this week to interview President Biden's nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson, to the U.S. Supreme Court. Because the Supreme Court is a lifetime appointment, and because the court decides on the most critical, future-defining cases for the nation, like abortion and, quote, same-sex marriage, Senate confirmation hearings can get nasty as the opposition party digs into every detail of the nominee's judicial and personal life. During this week's hearings, a clear indicator of how foolish and confused our leaders have become was evidenced by the response to a question by Senator Marsha Blackburn when she asked, can you provide a definition of the word woman? To which Katanji Brown Jackson replied, I can't. I'm not a biologist. Matt Staver, legal scholar and chairman of Liberty Council, joins us today on the Christian Worldview to discuss the nomination hearing and how Christians need to clearly and biblically proclaim the truth to a society in freefall. Let's get straight to the interview with Matt Staver. Matt, thank you for coming on the Christian Worldview radio program again. Before we get into the the nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court, I just want to follow up on what we talked about last time you were on the program, I think it was late last year, the vaccine mandate for, for COVID-19, the so-called vaccine, you were really immersed in a lot of cases regarding that with, with people losing their jobs if they didn't get this injection. Give us an update on how that has gone and where you see it going. Well, with regards to the private sector, a number of these mandates that came down from Biden are blocked by federal courts, so that's a good thing. With regards to the federal contractors, the federal employees, and some of the other mandates that are out there are blocked. And we're litigating on behalf of other employees in various parts of the country that have faced these mandates, and some of which have been terminated from their jobs with regards to getting justice for those individuals. We're also working, and this is a big issue with regards to the military, we have a class action lawsuit pending that we've been litigating for several months since October of last year on behalf of all the members of all the six branches of the military. We, in fact, just filed a temporary restraining order on behalf of 22 more people before our judge just recently, and we're moving forward with more and more and asking the judge to certify the class so that the entire class of thousands of people are protected. What we're finding is that the military is really abusing these men and women who are honorable individuals who love God and love the country. Frankly, I think they're using this um, mandate as a purge to purge out Christians and people of faith. It makes no sense because they know the shot's not working. They know that it's causing injury. We have testimony of a flight surgeon who himself was injured from this shot and will have to medically retire now. He has a demyelination condition. Mm where the outer protective coating of his nerves are eroding away because of the Moderna shot. 
we know that young men and women are being injured. We know that it is causing morale, a deterioration, undermining military readiness in so many other ways. And we also know, for example, it doesn't prevent infection, particularly with Omicron. And we also know that we're on the other side of Omicron. So despite all of the logic to stop this mandate, they're still pushing it. The only reason, I think, which is the same reason I thought they imposed them in the beginning, is to purge these faithful men and women, particularly Christians, people of faith from the military. We're fighting that very hard, and uh, we're going to bring justice to these defenders of freedom, because if they lose their freedom, we lose our freedom as well. Well, we are so thankful that you and Liberty Council are, are doing this, standing up for individual liberties in this country. Matt Staver joins us today, the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We have their website linked at our website, thechristianworldview.org, or the direct link is lc.org, as in libertycouncil.org. Okay, let's get into the major news of this week is President Biden's nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court to replace the seat of Justice Stephen Breyer. Before we even get into what her comments were before the, the Senate Judiciary Committee, let's listen to the then-candidate Joe Biden, who he promised he would nominate to the Supreme Court should he be elected president. I committed that if I'm elected president, have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, will be a, I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. It's required that they have representation now. It's long overdue. Secondly, if I'm elected president, my, my cabinet, my administration will look like the country. And I commit that I will, in fact, appoint a, I'll pick a woman to be vice president. There are a number of women who are qualified to be president tomorrow. I would pick a woman to be my vice president. Is that even legal, Matt, for the president to nominate a justice to the U.S. Supreme Court based on their race and their gender? And what does that say about our, where our country is right now, that you can openly say that and we just kind of proceed along? It is legal in the sense that the president can nominate uh, who the president chooses to do so. Uh, doesn't mean that that person is going to be confirmed. And so that's where the check and balance is with right now the United States Senate. And they can block this, and I think they should. But I think it really is a sad commentary, uh, not only about Biden and his ideology, but about where we are, that you're actually going to narrow it down to a woman who is black. That obviously is political, and it's not looking necessarily at the people who are the best qualified. You really just need to find out who's the best qualified for this particular position, not someone by virtue of race and gender. You know, eventually, what's Biden going to do? He wants some transgender, LGBTQ, somebody, I don't know, with all these different additives on here to be added to the Supreme Court. That doesn't sound like a, an objective institution a place where the rule of law has a home and the person lives and breathes that rule of law. It sounds like a political institution. And that's exactly what we don't need from the Supreme Court. It wasn't designed to be political. It was designed to be a judicial branch. Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council. Now, Katanji Brown-Jackson, the nominee, went to Harvard Law School, was a Supreme Court law clerk to Justice Stephen Breyer. Uh, she was a, fe a federal public defender, a member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, a federal district court judge for eight years and a judge in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, that according to a Fox News bio on her. What do you know about her judicial philosophy and how would you compare her judicial rulings that you know about compared to the most 
leftist justices in history, because no doubt he nominated her because of her, her, her liberal justice ideology. What do you know about her? Well, I think across the board, she'd be the most liberal justice on the Supreme Court, and that's saying uh, quite a bit. And she would be definitely more liberal than the person she's replacing, Justice Breyer. Justice Breyer was a liberal vote. Sometimes he had some tempered uh, decisions or would actually cite with some of the uh, more judicial restraint kind of arguments. Uh, she's going to be left of Justice Breyer by far. So she's not just going to replace Justice Breyer, but she's going to take it left of Justice Breyer. None of them have this kind of problem with child pornography like she has in seven out of seven cases. She gave penalties far below what the federal guidelines for sentencing and what the prosecutors would give. Nobody on the Supreme Court is in that category, for example. So, for example, she had an 18-year-old defendant. He had over 600 images, including videos. Uh, the guidelines recommended 97 to 121 months. The prosecutors recommended 24 months. She gave three months. In another case, someone had 48 files of child pornography. Federal guidelines recommended 78 to 97 months. Prosecutors uh, recommended the same. She gave 28 months. In one case, she actually called the defendant, the criminal, the victim, or apologized to him. And to that, Senator Ted Cruz says, well, who's the victim here? Is it the victim or is it the defendant who actually caused the harm to the victim? She actually apologized to the person who had the pornography. Matt, let me just quickly jump in and play listeners that soundbite where Senator Ted Cruz brought this up on her very lenient sentencing of those involved in child pornography. Every single case, 100% of them, when prosecutors came before you with child pornography cases, you sentenced the defenders to substantially below, not just the guidelines, which are way higher, but what the prosecutor asked for. And in every case, I did my duty to hold the defendants accountable in light of the evidence. That was Katanji Brown Jackson replying to Senator Ted Cruz, basically saying the sentencing guidelines and the prosecution guidelines, I just do what I want to do and go against all other guidelines outside my own personal feeling. And then Matt, Senator Josh Hawley went on to ask her about how she has her sympathy with the perpetrator in this child pornography case and not in the victims themselves, as you were discussing. You also said to, to this individual who is an adult, tried as an adult, 18 years old, you also said to him, besides saying that you thought his victims were his peers, you also said there's no reason to think that you are a pedophile. And then you went on to say, again, that's another reason why you weren't going to give him, you're only going to give him three months because you would have judged that he wasn't a pedophile. And then you said, and this is something I'd, I, I really need your help understanding. Then you apologized to him. And I, I just have to tell you, I can't quite figure this out. You said to him, this is a truly difficult situation. I appreciate that your family's in the audience. I feel so sorry for them and for you and for the anguish this has caused all of you. I feel terrible about the collateral consequences of this conviction. So Matt, talk more about Katanji Brown-Jackson's sentencing history 
and also her sympathy toward the criminal. So she has had a long history, all the way back to law school, where she has had this leniency with regards to child pornography. And that's the worst kind of pornography. And in fact, those within that industry know that when you degrade down to child pornography, it's usually a degrading process where you begin at one level and then your ultimate bottom degrading is getting into child pornography. Once you're at that level, it is absolutely incredibly hard to reform someone. So once you're down in that level and you've got all this material that these people had, to call them a victim, to apologize to them, to give them very light sentences when these other people are harmed for the rest of their life is just reprehensible. Nobody else on the Supreme Court's like that. With regards to abortion, she will be obviously a strong vote for abortion. She said she doesn't know when life begins. With regards, I mean, get this, uh, with regards to whether she knows a woman when she sees one, what is the definition of woman? She doesn't know that either. I mean, she has daughters. Are they women? She has a husband. Is he a man? Is she herself a woman? How do you know? She apparently doesn't know. She said she's not a biologist. Well, you don't need to be a biologist. How about being a little kid? You would know. She doesn't know who a woman is. What that means is she's going to be a very liberal vote if she's confirmed for a very radical LGBTQ plus agenda. Matt, we'll get to that non-answer she gave on what is a woman just a few minutes here. But I want to play the soundbite, as you mentioned, about her stance on abortion, because Senator John Kennedy asked her a very pertinent question about when life begins. And here was Katanji Brown Jackson's response. When does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't. No. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you have I, a I belief? I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. Religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay. When, when, when does... Uh when does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court, um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. That is just truly incredible to listen to, that a person being nominated to the highest court in our land, supposedly the wisest among us, cannot and will not answer a question on when life begins. Truly, does God's word say, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? That is a foolish answer, non-answer she just gave, not deserving, not worthy of someone like that being on our highest court in the land. Life begins at the moment of conception. God creates that life in the mother's womb, and that she can't answer that is not only pathetic, it's actually frightening for all the children, the unborn human beings who will be killed, murdered, because people like this will say they don't know when life begins, and therefore it's not a life that we're killing. 
Matt Staver with us today on The Christian Worldview, the founder and president of Liberty Council. Their website is linked at ours, thechristianworldview.org. Now, the Supreme Court is supposed to be impartial and just true justice supposed to be served. Look at the Constitution. How does it apply to the case and so forth? But I think the obvious thing is that the Supreme Court is a political rather than an impartial organization at this point. So where judges basically rule and interpret the Constitution according to their own party worldview. Is that true on both sides of the court or particularly true on the left side of the court? It's particularly true on the left side of the court. In effect, it was the left-leading side of the court uh, with regards to their judicial philosophy that got us in the situation that we have now. Started in the 50s, grew in the 60s and 70s. And it was under Chief Justice Earl Warren, the Warren Court, and some of those decisions that came out of that. That's what ultimately was the time frame that, where they cut the Supreme Court cords to the Constitution. And they began to wander off into their own ideology and imposing their own ideology under a Supreme Court vote, kind of like a legislator would do. However many votes you had, that's what the result would be. That's now how it's designed. What has happened over the past is Chief Justice Rehnquist, when he became the justice, he tried to recenter uh, the court. And so the justices that are there are trying to recenter the court and bring it back more to some of its original understanding. And it's not their role to make the law, it's their role to interpret the law. If we don't like the result, then we have a mechanism. That is a very difficult one, but it's a mechanism that has put in put in place. We've used it many times, and that is to amend the Constitution. That's for the right of the people, not for judges, not for individuals. And so what has happened is, whether it's abortion or marriage, things that could not be pushed through the political process because they never would have gotten the votes, they then resorted to a liberal Supreme Court in the 70s, and, and even with the Supreme Court in 2015 with uh, that split decision, 5-4 on, on marriage, to utilize the court as this social re-engineering mechanism. That's the political problem. And so there's really two different judicial philosophies. One, is the Constitution a living document? By that they mean, is it something that's in the past and we just reinterpret it now? So it really doesn't mean what it says. It means only what we say. That's the liberal side of the view. And that's held by a number of justices on the Supreme Court, including, obviously, uh, this nominee uh, to a very strong degree. Or, on the other hand, are you bound by the words and the intent and meaning of the Constitution, whether you like the results or not? Are you bound by that? That's the judicial restraint or the original intent uh, side. And I think that side is gaining more influence on the Supreme Court trying to recenter it back into the rule of law. It's got a long way to go, but it's certainly progressing in that direction. But we need to really return the court to the institution it was designed to be, and that is a neutral arbitrator of the law. And the power of the people is in the legislative body, and the executive has only one role uh, in that area of law, and that's to enforce the law. So the those are the three branches of government, with the weakest being the judiciary. Unfortunately, we have, we the people, have allowed the Supreme Court to become the most influential, strongest yeah. branch of all three, and that will undo the republic. So it is very important 
who sits on that bench. Yeah. And you say we, as in elections matter, uh, exactly. who, who wins elections. And actually, I'll add that to it now is free and fair elections matter. And you can see who won this last pre- presidency. Joe Biden over Donald Trump and, and the disputed way in which it was supposedly won is now having a major effect on the future of our country and who the president is nominated for the Supreme Court. Okay, we need to pause for a moment. You are listening to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Are you signed up for The Christian Worldview weekly email or our annual print letter? If not, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org. Pastor James Coates was arrested and sent to prison a couple of weeks ago in Canada. What did he do? He held a church service. And it isn't the government's responsibility to protect us from a virus. What's their responsibility? To protect our God-given rights. Two days after that sermon, Pastor James Coates was arrested and imprisoned. He has now co-authored an important book titled God Versus Government, Taking a Biblical Stand When Christ and Compliance Collide. God versus Government is 208 pages, soft cover, and retails for $17.99. You can order a copy for a donation of any amount to the Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota 55331. That's 1-888-646-2233 or org. David Wheaton here, host of the Christian Worldview radio program. Listeners are often surprised to learn that we as a ministry pay to broadcast on the radio station, website, or app on which you are listening today. That expense is recouped through listeners like you making a donation or becoming a Christian Worldview partner. Our aim is to have each broadcast outlet fully supported by the listeners of that outlet. If you would like to help us in our mission to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, go to thechristianworldview.org and click on Donate. You can also call toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Specify how you listen, as that helps us decide whether to continue on a given outlet. And be sure to select one of our resources as a thank you for your support. And welcome back to The Christian Realview. I'm David Wheaton. Visit our website, thechristianrealview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter. You can order resources for adults and children and support the ministry. Now back to the interview. Matt Staver here today on the Christian Worldview, the founder and chairman of Liberty Council, an excellent organization that works for civil liberties, religious liberty, and uh, their website is lc.org. I want to follow up with you, Matt, just briefly on something you already mentioned about when she was asked, Katanji Brown-Jackson was asked by Senator Marsha Blackburn about how would you define a woman? And, and this is a very relevant question today. This is not, you know, she acted all surprised to it and so forth, but it's a very relevant question in light of all these different you know, things going on with this male swimmer on the Penn team who just won the national title, beating all these other women and so forth. So here's how that interchange went between Senator Marsha Blackburn and the nominee for the Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. 
I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not. The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Just last week, an entire generation of young girls watched as our taxpayer-funded institutions permitted a biological man to compete and beat a biological woman in the NCAA swimming championships. What message do you think this sends to girls who aspire to compete and win in sports at the highest levels? Senator, I'm not sure what message that sends. If, if you're asking me about the legal issues related to it, um, those are topics that are being hotly discussed, as you say, and I, could come to the court. So I'm and not able to. I think it tells our girls that their voices don't matter. I think it tells them that they're second-class citizens, and parents want to have a Supreme Court justice who is committed to preserving parental autonomy and protecting our nation's children. Well, there's a, another truly troubling soundbite from the interchange in the nomination hearing of Katanji Brown-Jackson, not willing to define what a woman is. But the worst thing is it's representative of a, a bigger delusion that is just overtaking this country and fundamentally is a rejection of God in his word. So Matt, she obviously knows what a woman is, because if she doesn't, she's not even qualified to be on the Supreme Court if she's that unintelligent. So she obviously knows, she just doesn't want to answer that question. Why doesn't she want to answer that question, Matt? Why has the left and the homosexual transgender lobby been so successful at mainstreaming their views in silencing dissenters? She doesn't want to answer that question because if she ever gets a LGBTQ plus whatever case in front of her, she's not going to define a woman as a woman. If she gets something like this swimmer, she'll say, oh, sure, it's all a product of your mind. It's not biology. So, you know, for her to say she's not a biologist, she's not looking at biology. If you look at biology, it's pretty simple. I mean, you either have the XX or XY or you have you know, the manifestations, uh, obviously, objectively, of male and female. You know, the question you'd have to ask is, and I wish this was a follow-up question, is, are your daughters women? Is your husband a man? Are you a woman? If you don't know the simple truth, how do you know anything? You know, is the Constitution real? Because if you don't know what a woman is and what a man is, it's pretty simple. Is the Constitution real? Is the First Amendment real? What is religious freedom? When does life begin? Those are not hard questions. For a nominee to try to avoid the simple question, what is a woman? What's the definition of a woman? For her to say, can I provide a definition? No, I can't, she said. I'm not a biologist. 
that ought to alone be a disqualification for her to serve on the United States Supreme Court. I mean, that's a disgrace that a justice of the United States Supreme Court nominee doesn't know what a woman is. Totally agree. Matt Staver with us today. You also mentioned that she was she's been very soft on punishing child pornography cases. We already played those sound bites with Senator Cruz and Senator Hawley asking her about her minimizing the consequences for child pornography. What is it in the worldview of those on the left that that sympathizes with the perpetrator, the criminal, and wants to go soft on the punishment, not thinking at all who's who's been criminalized, harmed by this crime? What is it in that worldview that sees things this way? It's part of this whole worldview regarding the abolition of sex and gender and the abolition of any kind of taboo with regards to any sexual conduct, whether it's adult minor. In fact, there is a group called Before You Act. It's an academic organization that goes to places like Johns Hopkins University and other places, and it pushes the fact that pedophilia is should be called minor attractiveness or something of that nature that it's just another, quote, sexual orientation that you're happening to be attracted to minors. So it's really not pedophilia, and we should stop stigmatizing these people because there's nothing wrong with them. That goes all the way back to Alfred Kinsey in his 1948 book, uh, Sexuality in the Human Male, and 1953 book, Sexuality in the Human Female. That was the whole premise of his book, that any kind of sexual act, including with minors, was fine, and it was actually healthy. Anything that's a taboo or a moral against that would be harmful and restrictive. That's all part of, well, we don't know who a woman is. We don't know who a man is. It's whatever you want to be. And any kind of sexual deviancy that you want to engage in, even with these minors, well, it doesn't really hurt them. That's the idea. That's the ideology. And so you see it permeating in the pornography side of things. You see it in the questions that she doesn't know when life begins. You see it in the questions that she can't define a woman. That's all part of that uh, ideology that really will color everything that she does. Do you think she will be confirmed to the Supreme Court? I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's going to be close. I wouldn't uh, write it off as, in fact, it's a given because there are some Democrats that uh, they need all the Democrats and they need at least one Republican. They need all the Democrats or at least all the Democrats and the VP. But if they lose a, a Democrat, say, for example, Manchin or Senna or some of the other Democrats, then they're going to be in deep trouble. Matt Staver with us today on the Christian Worldview. During the Trump years, he appointed Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, and they were all confirmed. That was quite a, a list there of having three appointments during a four-year term. I believe you actually came on the program to talk about two, if not three of them, during the, the nomination the confirmation process. Looking back now and seeing how they've adjudicated, are, are you encouraged or disappointed by the Trump confirmations, kind of one by one? I would say generally encouraged. I think uh, by and large, they have done a, a good job. There are some decisions I strongly disagree with them on. Uh, for example, Gorsuch has had incredibly good opinions and writings across the board. But he has this one bad opinion that is a very significant one, and that is on Title VII with regards to uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. That's a terrible decision. It was a 5-4 split, and that really, I think, uh, was surprising. With regards to adding Barrett to the court is the reason why we started getting 5-4, and, and we were the only ones that got a 6-3 decision. 
on behalf of the churches, um, but it was Barrett replacing Ginsburg. Otherwise, we'd still be losing those church restriction cases. She hasn't been uh, right on everything, but she was certainly right on those decisions, and that was very strong. Kavanaugh was very strong in those decisions as well. I think on religious freedom, if you take religious freedom as a whole, we have a strong majority on the Supreme Court that's very pro-religious freedom. I just argued before the Supreme Court in January 18 on a free speech case. I think I, I will get a very strong uh, win on that case. You don't want to always predict, but I think on this one it was pretty obvious that we're going to get a very strong win on free speech from a Christian viewpoint perspective. And that that's in contrast to what we would have had, you know, 20 years ago, for example. So we are making progress. Uh, they're not perfect, but they certainly uh, replaced individuals that were far more, even though some of those were appointed by, well, in Ginsburg's case, by a, a Democrat and, and others by a Republican. They really have improved the court. They're not perfect. We have a long way to go, but we're making progress. Okay, we need to take a brief pause here. You're listening to the Christian Rule of Your Radio program. Would you like to help the Christian Worldview continue broadcasting on the radio station, website, or app in which you are listening today? You can support us by going to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or giving us a call, 1-888-646-2233. When it comes to your health care, what are some words you would use to describe your experience with them? Comfort? Peace? Confidence? Well, at Samaritan Ministries, those are just some of the words our members use frequently when a healthcare need arises, like these friends. In 2016, we found out that our youngest son, Asher, had cancer. I will just never forget crying in the lobby of the hospital on the phone with the Samaritan Ministries person on the other end who ended the call saying, let's just pray about this. When it does hit you and you really wonder what's going to happen, it worked. Interested in becoming part of a growing, caring community of Christians who not only faithfully share each other's medical needs each month, but also support each other with prayer and encouragement? It's affordable, and you can join today. If you'd like more information, visit us at SamaritanMinistries.org TCW. That's SamaritanMinistries.org TCW. What happened to the church? How do you break down American Christianity? Whiteness has caused blindness of heart. That message that they're going out and taking the world is not, you need to repent of your sin, receive Christ. Instead, the message that you actually have is they are under the weight of racism or sexism or homophobia. The proceeding is from Enemies Within the Church, a two-hour documentary film that exposes how social justice ideology is infecting the church. You can order the DVD for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. Thanks for joining us today on The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianworldview.org. Transcripts are also available. Now back to the interview. Matt Staver from Liberty Council with us today on the Christian Worldview. Final question for you, Matt. I think listeners 
see or Christians see what is going on in our country with regard to your, what you're saying today? They see this nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson, not being able to or purposely avoiding answering these most basic questions about what is a woman. They see the ideology there way in the left, and they think that's going to be a lifetime appointment potentially to the U.S. Supreme Court. They look at the financial situation in our country, the massive debt, the inflation going on, the education, critical race theory, just training a nation to to despise itself, totally devoid of God, which just quickly reminds me that Katanji Brown-Jackson was asked about critical race theory by Senator Ted Cruz, and here was her, again, kind of a non-answer to that. Critical race theory, as you know, originated at your and my alma mater at at the Harvard Law School. In your understanding, what, what does critical race theory mean? What is it? Senator, my understanding is that critical race theory is, um, it is an academic theory that is about the ways in which uh, race interacts with um, various institutions. It doesn't come up in my work as a judge. It's never something that I've uh, studied or relied on, and it wouldn't be something that I would rely on if I was on the Supreme Court. That was another answer that we heard from people on the left who say, well, there's no critical race theory in schools. This is just an academic theory, and it doesn't have any place in this country, when in reality, it is the driving worldview of the left in this country. Everything is seen through a racial prism. Whites and males are seen as the oppressors of society, and that needs to be completely toppled to achieve justice in our society. And we do that through forcing equal outcomes. Her nomination to the Supreme Court by President Biden is a perfect example of critical race theory applied to our society today, as if the perspective of a black woman is going to help a certain class or gender or ethnic group in this country. That is the opposite of what you want a Supreme Court justice to do. You want them to judge impartially, like the Bible says. But there are other issues, Matt, as well, that are on the minds of Christians. They see the suppression of individual liberties, the immigration of millions of illegals into the country being settled in the interior, the culture, the crime taking place in our cities, uh, corporations becoming a fourth branch of government power, We've talked about the moral issue today with the homosexual and transgender movements, just the outright lies going on, can't define women. We've gone from energy independence to energy dependence. Why would you ever want to do that? And then we see the the church in many ways accommodating the culture, trying to see how we can accommodate it. It can be discouraging. And so just in closing today, what should Christians be focusing on and working towards at this time in our history? Well, I think we never give up. And uh, some of those things that you mentioned, not all, certainly some of those are deeper, but some of those happened just within the last year under the uh, Biden administration. So elections matter, fair elections matter, certainly. And we need to make sure that we have fair elections going forward, but never give up. I mean, for example, you could have lived at a certain time during the captivity of the Israelites in Egypt and become very depressed. You could have done the same thing whenever the decree came down during Queen Esther's time frame in Persia, it was inevitable. Everyone's going to die, I and mean, there's just no hope. There's no one to come and save you. There's no NATO, for example. There's no rescue. You're just done. I mean, you're done. And the decree can't be changed, even though the king didn't like it. After he did it, it may have changed his mind. So what? I mean, that's it. You're done. There's a certain day you're all going to die. Everyone, all of the Jews are going to die. 
And yet we know from history that didn't happen. What happened is God intervened because people prayed, people remained faithful, and God ultimately toppled these uh, nations. There is no more uh, of those empires. Uh, the Jews still alive. They're, they're celebrating the Feast of Purim, just did recently. There is no ancient dynasty. There's the current Iran, but there's no the old Persian government. That Persian government's gone. The old Egyptian government with the pharaohs, that's gone. Egypt's still in existence, but not the pharaonic uh, age that we had. So those powerful nations and many more we can talk about, they didn't survive history. God's people did. And so with God, all things are possible. I've seen a lot of progress. Uh, I never get discouraged about these temporary losses because I know who wrote the last chapter. I know who's Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And I know that we need to be faithful and that God will do incredible, miraculous things with people of faith. And he is a God that loves irony and turns things that seem just impossible, which in fact are, in our human existence, into possibilities. Matt, thank you for encouraging us in that way to close our conversation today. We just so appreciate all you are doing as founder and chairman of Liberty Council. And thank you for coming on the Christian Realview today. All of God's best and grace to you. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Again, that was Matt Staver of Liberty Council. It's an organization that works for the civil and religious liberties of people. Their website is lc.org, or we have it linked at our website, thechristianworldview.org. He is a sober-minded, clear-thinking man, I think, as you can see, who works tirelessly for liberty. And if you remember that liberty is the opposite of tyranny. When you lose individual liberties, government tyranny steps in and just completely controls people's lives. If you missed any of the interview, you can always go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, to hear it again. Go to the past programs page. There are also transcripts available, usually a few days after the program airs. We're also starting to do short takes again as well. Now, I have a slightly more pessimistic view of the future of our nation than Matt Staver does, although I firmly believe, as he said, that God can change hearts if a nation repents and turns to him. And I think we all should obey God's word and be praying for that, praying for our leaders, as the Bible says, praying that even those who reject God would would not be prospered, that they would encounter hindrances and roadblocks, and that their way wouldn't be successful. We can pray for that. But the way I see the country now is really representative of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone, and maybe you could apply that to a nation as well, who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So if you recognize God, you hear his word, and you obey it, that's like a wise man, a person who thinks and lives as God intends. That's the definition of wisdom. A wise man who built his house on the rock, verse 25, and the Rain fell and the floods came, trials came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And the rock is God, is Christ, is word, is truth. Verse 26, the contrast. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, just like we are doing in our this country, just rejecting God out of hand. We live according to human reasoning. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. What results there will be like a foolish man. A foolish man is one who lives life as if there is no God. That's what it says in Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. That's from Matthew chapter 7, the words of Christ. And that's what I think is a very real possibility in this country, that there's going to be a great fall. This is by far the worst I have ever seen this country and the evangelical church. I mentioned some of the things going on in the country with regard to financial and military and education, individual liberties and immigration, corporations and entertainment and morality, energy, safety. The evangelical church is is not being the banner of truth in a light for the gospel that it needs to be. You look at the Southern Baptist Convention and nominating a president who openly and blatantly plagiarized sermons for years and yet doesn't step down, and not too many people spoke out against that. Well, he is not going to run for a, a second term, but he should have resigned or been pushed out right away. Or as we discussed recently in the program for three parts— the whole woke movement within the evangelical church today, implementing the critical race theory and social justice, unbiblical worldview that is so pervasive in our society today, especially with regards to race or gender or homosexuality. These are just obvious, clear issues that should be immediately shot down when they knock on the church door. Just this week, Hillsong, one of the most influential churches in the world, Brian Houston has just resigned from Hillsong for allegations of misconduct toward women. And this is just but one example that we've seen recently. Ravi Zacharias, many others in many different ways. I look at the country in the cracks, the house being built on the sand, and one event could trigger a, a collapse of this house or, or just widespread panic, whether it's a EMP, electromagnetic pulse attack, or the U.S. dollar collapsing the currency changing, going off the dollar as the reserve currency in the world, or a cyber attack. I mean, our food supply chain in this country, it's so easy to go down the the street to the local grocery store and see shelves full of food and so forth. There's a very short supply chain on food. We would, within probably three to five days or something like that, there'd be great shortages if something really snapped in our society. And to me, it feels like something could snap in our society with all these different structural cracks going on. And God has, I believe, largely removed his restraint. And as Romans 1 says, he's just giving us over to our own sin. Just like Old Testament Israel, Matt mentioned that, but there is no biblical promise for the future restoration of America as there is to the future restoration of the Jews, that they will turn to their Messiah in repentance and faith. The Bible promises that. I think it's more likely that the U.S. is not going to repent and return, although it could for a time, but it's more likely we're going to be part of this this globalistic push that we're seeing going on around the world, especially if we keep on getting administrations like the one we have right now. But for Christians, we must stand for truth in the gospel in the meantime. This past week, I heard Tucker Carlson, a host on Fox News, do a segment on this situation with Katanji Brown-Jackson, saying she didn't know what the definition of a woman is. As I heard Tucker talk about how insane this is and how insane it's become in our society, I just wonder why there isn't a high majority of Christians, and especially pastors, talking in such 
direct black and white terms about these particular issues? Why is it being left up to someone like Tucker Carlson, who I'm not even sure what he believes spiritually, whether he's a born again Christian or not. I don't know that he is because we need strong, forceful, truthful response to all the lies, the sin that's being just pushed on us in this country. It needs to be forcefully pushed back against in the strongest terms possible, based not on what some study says, but directly on the truth of the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Yes, we know that men and women have different chromosomes. That's scientific fact. But we know even more that God made them male and female, two different sexes. You're created one way, and that's it. It can't be changed. God fixed it. Because it's the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, that penetrates the hearts of unbelievers. That being said, Tucker Carlson pushed back quite strongly about this issue of Katanji Brown-Jackson not being able to define a woman. For a world-famous scholar like Katanji Jackson, that should have been effortless. Talk about slow and steady right down the plate. A woman? Jackson might have said, looking incredulous. That's simple. A woman is a human being with two X chromosomes. Ask any geneticist. It's detectable in a blood test. Women have wider pelvises and different bone structures from men, not to mention very different genitalia. It's usually pretty obvious that women just by looking at them. Women are built differently because their bodies are designed to do different things. Nature is real. Women menstruate. Women give birth and then breastfeed. Men do not do these things because they can't. Pause for a second and marinate in the awe-inspiring stupidity of her answer. What's a woman? I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Oh. We see how this works. Hey, Contangie Jackson, is it raining? I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. What's a woman? (laughs) Definitely the most revealing question ever asked in a Senate confirmation hearing. Ask yourself, two men get in a bar fight, one of them punches the other in the face. What's your response to that? Come on, guys, take it outside. A man and a woman get in a bar fight, the man punches the woman in the face. What's your response to that? Well, if you're a normal human being, you're horrified. Punching a woman in the face is not just a felony, though it is, it is a moral crime. Decent people don't punch women in the face, period. A man's best instinct is to protect women. That's nothing to be ashamed of. It makes a civilization civilized. That's why we don't send expectant mothers into battle. Got that, you degraded freaks? Pregnant flight suits are an attempt to make us deny our most basic instinct. An instinct that we should not be ashamed of. Every person on earth knows this is true. We are born knowing it. But now they're commanding you to pretend otherwise, to deny nature and suppress your most basic and valuable instincts. Now, the Biden administration is in charge of everything. And in less than a year, the worst, most fervid predictions have come entirely true. Female athletes are losing NCAA championships to men dressing up as women in order to cheat their way to victory. Every person in America sees this happening. Very few are brave enough to say a word about it. The point of the trans movement isn't to convince anyone that biology isn't real. They're not even trying. That's an impossible case to make. The point of this exercise is very different. The point is to make the rest of us repeat a lie to say something we know perfectly well is not true. Yes, Leah Thomas is a proud, beautiful woman who won the swim meet because she practiced harder than the other girls. Making you pretend to believe something you don't, that's the point. Because if they can make you 
pretend to believe something you know is untrue, they've won. They control your brain. So this isn't about trans people. It's about all of us, and the stakes are very high. That was Tucker Carlson. I think that we as Christians, and especially pastors, again, need to speak in explicitly strong biblical terms, pushing back against these issues that have overtaken our society. Because unless we do, people are going to be taken captive and believe a lie. And that's been Satan's goal from the very beginning in the garden, to believe a lie about who God is and how we can be right with him. And we can't control the outcome of this country, but we can fulfill our calling to proclaim the truth and the good news of Jesus Christ, that we as sinful men and women can be made right with the holy God through repenting of our sin and putting our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to find out how to do that, how to become a born-again Christian, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, and click on What Must I Do to Be Saved? Thank you for joining us today on The Christian Realview. Thanks also to our Christian Realview partners and supporters and also Samaritan Ministries for funding today's program. In just a moment, there will be all kinds of information on how you can connect with The Christian Realview. Be encouraged. We may live in a changing and challenging world, but Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday and today and forever. Until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program, order a transcript, or find out what must I do to be saved, go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us, visit thechristianworldview.org, call 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview.